0: Hi everyone, it's Dave Monday here and Jane Beach. We're both lead professional officers with Unite Union in the health sector. We're currently at home as hopefully lots of people are around the country at the moment. Obviously we're really grateful to all of our members who can't have the uh, advantage of working from home at the moment. And before we started we just wanted to say a real big shout out to you guys. Thank you for all you're doing. We know it's quite a kind of busy, scary, worrying time at the moment but hopefully the work that we're doing is going to help you in the work that you're doing now and we'll do over the next few weeks. So thanks for that. Now, Jane, see we have been really, really busy over the last week or so. Mm-hmm. You obviously lead on regulation for UNITE, so can you just give us a little bit of, of detail about what that actually means in general?
1: Yes, I mean, obviously I work a lot with the um, the healthcare regulators. We have members that are registered with with all of the healthcare regulators but the majority of my time is spent working with the nmc and the hcpc so i work at a kind of strategic level on anything they're doing that might impact on our members to make sure our members are aware of it but also that their views are are taken into account so that you know any changes to standards or policy um, doesn't kind of adversely affect them in any way Obviously, I also, like yourself, Dave, I'm involved. If people have any of our members have a referral um, about concerns about their practice, so we offer advice to the officers and members on professional issues related to that.
0: You've been the hub of a lot of work this week around the regulator's response to COVID-19. So we're going to cover a few of those issues uh, in a moment. Now, I've got a a list of questions that we've kind of put together because we thought it'd help with the kind of way that this. works but uh, the first question I just wanted to ask you was uh, we were supposed to be having an event about some changes that the NMC are looking to do in the future Mm -hmm. so can you just give us a bit of an update about what's happening with that?
1: Yes the regulation event on the 30th was looking at regulation as a whole to try and give our members an understanding of what it is, why it's there, how it impacts on them in practice but also then to give the regulators an opportunity to update on some of the work they were doing so i know we're going to cover it later but hcpc were going to talk about cpd and and the nmc were going to update on the post-registration program that they had embarked on which was going to be reviewing specialist community public health nursing standards and the specialist practice quality notifications as well obviously the conference you know as we're we're all aware had to be um, postponed we will hope to reschedule it when the situation allows but in terms of the post-registration program i know a lot of our members will be interested in that and both yourself and i dave and, and ob have had discussions with the nmc and understandably they have had to change the focus of the work that they're they doing in response to the pandemic. So this, as I'm sure everybody will understand, means that the programmes had to be put on hold at the moment because they're having to reprioritise. They were very keen to... Sp- stress that you know they know that this will be very disappointing to to us and our members because you know we've been pushing for this for many years and the NMC themselves said they've been waiting for 15 years to do this so but they really want to stress that it's not off the agenda most certainly so as soon as they're in a position to know when they might be able to start this work again they will be in touch with us and and they will through us um, and with us get communications out to the members. But we were very clear that, you know, it's really important on this work that our members can fully engage in it. And obviously, at the moment, that's just not possible. So as soon as it is, you know, we know what's happening. We've asked the NMC to to do a, a communication. Obviously, they've already put a holding statement on their website, but we will let people, you know, members know as soon as we know whether that, you know, what's happening there.
0: Yeah, so definitely an unfortunate postponement, but, you know, one that we wholly uh, support and endorse.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, all credit to all of the regulators, actually, at the moment. You know, they have had to, as, as everybody is, you know, everybody is having to completely change the focus of their work and, and do you know do things in a completely different way and and move things and change things very quickly so you know the regulators are having to do that and all credit to them they are moving very quickly and particularly in my dealings with the NMC you know I know the staff have been working through the night to get some of the changes organized that they are having to do so you know it's it's not an easy time for anybody really.
0: So just thinking about all our members that are registered with the Nursing and Midwifery Council, one of the questions that some of them have raised is what's going to happen with their revalidation. That's obviously a process that all nurses and midwives have to complete every three years to remain in practice. So have you got an update about what's happening with that, Jane?
1: Yes, we we asked the NMC for, if for a moratorium on revalidation, but because anything they do is governed by the Nursing and Midwifery Order, it's not possible to make a change such as that. So, but what they have been able to do, and what they they're doing, is is granting everybody a three month extension from their current revalidation date and they are looking at whether this can be extended if needs be so they should be writing out to all of their members that that applies to but you know obviously if anybody has any concerns do let us know but they're very keen not to put added pressure on people who you know particularly at this time so that is something they are definitely aware of.
0: So just in terms of our HCPC members continuing their registration, is there any updates in terms of what that organisation is doing?
1: Yes, HCPC have cancelled the CPD audits for physiotherapists and arts therapists because they're the ones currently going through that process. And if they haven't, they will be emailing those registrants affected shortly to confirm this. With regards to previous professions whose deadlines have already passed, but they have CPD outstanding. HCPC are providing a six-month extension in cases where they've requested further information from the registrant. In cases where the HCPC have already got the registrant's profile, but it's not been assessed, they will still get this assessed. And if the registrant meets the standards, they'll communicate this. However, if they need more information, they'll put this on hold and provide a six-month deadline. And as, as we said before they don't want to create any additional work for their registrants at this time they do have as the NMC did they have um, a COVID hub on their website so I would advise everybody to go on their regulator's website regularly and look at their COVID-19 page and that will be updated with the most up-to-date advice and information because as you can understand you know different things are coming up at, at different times so they are constantly updating them.
0: Brilliant. Uh, Just in terms of our members that, you know, I've dealt with two in the last few days who've been referred to their regulator due to fitness to practice concerns. Is there any update in what will happen with those during this COVID pandemic crisis?
1: Yes, again, we, we've agreed to have weekly this when I say we this is um, we have a, a joint union um, forum that we meet regularly with the regulators related to fitness to practice. So with the NMC, we've agreed to have weekly telephone calls because the situation is, is changing. So they are having to change the way they work and the way they prioritise. The NMC has cancelled all hearings until the end of April and they're not scheduling any more yet. But they're looking at plans for what they do beyond the end of April. HCPC have already said that they're not going to do any more substantive hearings until the 6th of July and they're not listing anything before then. If there's any interim order applications, so those are cases that have, you know, new referrals where they are potentially quite serious, and the regulator needs to look at whether they need to put conditions on practice or suspend practice. The interim order applications and and reviews of interim orders um, and, and substantive orders will be still undertaken but wherever possible they'll do them on the papers so there won't be any face-to-face hearings for the foreseeable future. Obviously priority for both regulators will be prioritising interim orders and substantive orders so that these don't lap. GMC have postponed all new hearings due to take place from the 23rd of March to the 5th of July and all of them the NMC have, have said this but I'm sure it will apply to all of the regulators they'll be serving papers electronically so if, if we've got anybody that has got a referral in place it's really important that they know to make sure the NMC have got their current email address where they've got one because anything to do do with their case including if there's going to be a hearing we'll come to them via email as i said before if if anybody's got any concerns or queries about it either contact your case manager at the relevant regulator if you've got one if you haven't then get in touch with your unite officer and they can obviously come to me if they need to It's important to say the regulators will still be dealing with new referrals, but they'll be prioritising those that they consider to be high risk, and they'll be working to move those cases forward as much as they can. It is possible that current cases may be on hold for a while, but they have committed to put them, you know, to get them in a state where they can be very quickly picked up once the situation's improved. But again, recognising that panellists particularly registrant panellists may be required to go back into practice and obviously they can't hold face-to-face hearings and certainly from a union point of view if it's the first time there's been a hearing we didn't really feel that it was appropriate for that to be done electronically so they have said that any referrals that are related to anything that happened during the period where people are dealing with the coronavirus they will be dealt with separately and much more sensitively because this is an emergency situation it's recognized that people will be working outside of scope and and changing practice and and just you know the sheer volume really could impact so so they're very well aware of that but any specific issues again let us know and and we can take concern forward and um, and get you answers to those
0: yeah, I think on that last point, it's worth highlighting the joint statement that the regulators produced about how they would be regulating health staff during the COVID crisis. So I don't know if you've got anything to say about that.
1: It's recognition that they understand that this is a really, really difficult time, and obviously they're keen to stress that the code is still the mechanism by which you know we we need to use within our practice so work within the code but equally they do recognize that context is going to be really important there so all of the regulators have signed up to the statement they are going to take it into account if any issues arise during this time
0: so I know one of the things that you've been heavily involved with, and I've done some work with you on this over the, the last, uh, it, it kind of feels like it's months, but I think it's only it been the last two weeks, yeah, uh, is this kind of great issue about how do we try and maximise the number of nurses and midwives and other health professionals in the health service.
1: Yeah. So
0: do you want to give us uh, some background into to, to what's happened over those two weeks?
1: We've been involved really with the NMC, although the other regulation are doing very similar things we haven't particularly been party to those discussions the NMC have included the unions and the professional bodies in in those discussions so I can only really talk about our involvement with the NMC and there are are lots of different strands to this. So the NMC council meeting took place today and a lot of these issues were discussed. Obviously they didn't, you know, they had a virtual meeting, they didn't have a a face-to-face meeting. So there is emergency legislation going through to to enable the NMC to establish a COVID-19 temporary register. I'm sure um, people will have heard about that because you know it's been on the news um, all week so they've written out to nurses who have been out of practice for three years or less and they're encouraging nurses who are currently on the register but not in clinical care to consider coming back into clinical practice during this time. So in terms of the temporary registration as I say the letters have already gone out to those who have left the register whether that's you know they've left practice or they've retired inviting them to come back and there has been a huge response to that so far and it's absolutely phenomenal so you know thank you to all of those that have responded to the NMC as a union you know I've we've had quite a lot of responses to us from people who fall outside of that and again thank you you know it's just amazing that people are thinking about coming back in and maybe I'll I'll cover what they need to do later but with the NMC and temporary registration there's a two-step process so you apply for registration and then you need to complete a survey that helps employers place you appropriately so the thing to stress there is please complete both otherwise you kind of do part of the process and and not the other part. The NMC has got a dedicated call centre, and they've got very useful FAQs on their website. So, as I said before, do go to the website and um, look at those as they're being updated. The HCPC and the GMC have also got pages on their website dedicated to temporary registration because they are doing, um, you know, they are doing a very similar thing. There's no registration for temporary registration it's a completely separate register so it isn't the full register that um, we all contribute to um, and it's they've been very clear that you know current registrants won't be picking up any cost that is involved in this process that will be um, the responsibility of, of government and we're also going to be writing to members that we think fall into this category to ask the same it's maybe a little bit more difficult to ascertain who's left the register because they've left practice or who's retired so i would say you know if you get one and you're still in practice please forgive us you know we will do our best to identify people but i'm sure you'll appreciate that you know we'd rather write out to have more people than we need to so that we hopefully um catch everybody but equally if you know anybody that you think would fall or, you know, may want to come back to practice. Then please share the information with them. As I say, we will put links up on the website for those people who fall outside of the three years but still want to help in some capacity. Because there are places you can go, and even if you can't come back on the register, there might be other options for you to volunteer. So, but generally, departments of health in the various countries are are managing that process. So, although we're quite happy to help.
0: Right, so if we just think about the situation for student nurses now, and they kind of broadly fall into two different groups. We've got the group uh, that we'll think about first, those that have got less than six months left on their education courses. Uh, What's the, uh, the situation for those people?
1: What we need to say is that we have been very pragmatic here. If we weren't in the situation we are in, we wouldn't agree to changes to undergraduate student programs, but we're not in that place. We're in an emergency situation. So difficult decisions have had to be made. So students with less than six months, or if they're doing a, a postgrad pro- program, it, it might be shorter than that. So towards the end of their program, um, can opt to um, do their final six months as a clinical placement. What placement providers have obviously been saying is they, you know, it's they're not able to provide placements for students. And I'm sure everybody can understand the issues, you know, the reasons why. So the other part is that so the intention is that students move straight away, you know, in the final six months, move straight away into a clinical placement. If they you know it's somewhere they have there or they already are or if it's somewhere they've been recently the idea is to put them somewhere where they're comfortable if they agree to opt in and then the idea is that they will gain experience in that area um, once the um, emergency register for the nmc comes in there will be a specific part for students in the final six months of their program or towards the end of their program so again they will have the option of of joining that register which will then have specific conditions of practice so it will enable them to do more than they would if they weren't on the register but it's not the full um, register. Obviously it sounds quite a complicated system the NMC have been clear that you know, if students are at the point where actually they finish their programme, they will graduate as normal and go on to the full register. So the temporary register will only be for those that aren't at that point. And, and at the end of the, you know, when this is a all over, students will be able to review whether they feel they've done enough placement or whether they want to have an additional supernumerary placement so it's really important to keep dialogue going with your university and universities have said they will be really supportive of students obviously you know the realization is that students are not able to be supernumerary at this time but the expectation and the you know they absolutely must be supervised and they must work under an appropriate delegated framework We've been very clear that if they're working in a placement setting that they are paid for that work. They'll have a proper contract and they will have in- appropriate insurance. But equally, there won't be a detriment for those who don't want to or actually are unable to do a placement. And the educational institution will work with those students to find an appropriate solution for them. So the information has gone out there now. Again, um, the Council of Deans and the NMC have got, you know, and your university will have um, answers to the questions. So, um, you know, do keep in touch with social media and on the websites um, to get more information there. So
0: just thinking about those student nurses that have got uh, more than six months left on their education courses, what's the situation
1: for them? If we look at first year students first, again placement providers are really not able to provide safe and effective clinical placements at the moment. So the NMC are seeking emergency powers to enable first year students to to spend 100% of their their program um, on the theory so you know in academic learning so clinical placements at the moment will be paused for the duration of the um, emergency but you know their courses will still be continuing they'll be continuing with academic work um, some may already be volunteering or, undert- or undertaking paid work within um, a clinical setting so obviously they continue to do this um but this doesn't count towards practice hours so they you know they will still will be kind of caught up at a later date in the program once once this situation resolves and thinking about second year students and and third years that are at the beginning of their third year again the NMC are seeking changes to the standards so that students will have the choice of spending 80% of their time, you know, their hours in clinical placements. So they, again, will be invited to opt in. So nobody is, is under any pressure to do this. Um, as we said before if they do opt in to do that within clinical placement then obviously again they will be paid for that and the difference here is that it will count towards their practice hours so it it will be part of the program um, and the remaining 20% of the program will be academic study so again university will maintain contact will continue to provide academic and and um, pastoral support so wherever you're situated
0: one of the issues is that because this is quite a big change and there's quite a lot of different points to it where people can get more information uh, and I suppose you know like you say the NMC website has got its yeah. COVID hub yeah. where it points people to all the different joint statements that Unite's been involved yeah. in developing yeah. FAQs yeah. and also points people to other places that they can get advice. Yeah. Health Education England as well are developing a guide for student yes, nurses they are, uh,
1: yeah.
0: and we've been involved in that so it's, it's I think it's, it's about a 21 page guide isn't it yeah. so it should yeah, be yeah. kind of quite comprehensive for people yeah. To, yeah. to look at and that should be out very very soon
1: very soon and you know also keep in touch with their university and um, just to cover obviously those hcpc registrants in their final year of, of programs um, who have completed all of their practice placements they are being invited into practice um, the gmc's position is that their final year medical students are being graduated early and moved into practice. So again, you know, look at your regulator's website or speak to the university. They, you know, they will be able to talk about individual cases because, you know, everybody is different. Some people will want to do this, will be able to do it. Some people may not. So we've been very clear that nobody will suffer a detriment, you know, whichever option they choose to go down because, you know, that's really quite important.
0: And I suppose there's that point as well that, any student that does take up this change you said before that that will be with employers they'll get pay they will have the kind of protections of being an employee of that organization Uh, and also things like you know we were hearing some reports earlier last week where students were being denied access to PPE whereas qualified staff were having access to it and obviously again it should be that if students are doing the work on the wards they should be having the equal access to the resources as, as any other staff member yeah. and as you said as well as always if any of our members have got any questions comments concerns issues that they want to raise then we would always encourage them to get in touch with their local rep first yeah. they might not be a, a nurse they could be from a huge range of health professions that work in the NHS and in the wider health sector so speak to them first and then obviously we are also getting feedback from those reps on specific issues that then we can raise nationally and Myself and and yourself, Jane, we're in pretty much daily contact at the moment uh, yeah. with people that that lead all the different national organisations that yeah. are developing the response to COVID nineteen. Yeah. So we would encourage people to to get in touch with us.
1: Yeah, and I know you're going to be doing some work on with our paramedics, aren't you? And HCPC. So um, yes.
0: So just yeah. to give a little bit of background about that, that we have national committees at unite for all our different professional associations. And two of the committees that I support uh, are the Applied Psychology Committee and the Ambulance Committee. Obviously, both of those professions have large membership registered with the HCPC. We've got a real interest in being involved in the discussions that are happening over the next few weeks. Also, in terms of mental health, uh, I'm involved with uh, officials working nationally in England on the mental health response to COVID-19 and obviously trying to make sure that we get some really clear guidance and messages out there. Some of the worrying things that we've heard over the last week are things like uh, mental health services being stripped back and being asked to get involved in the response to the kind of physical acute Covid crisis. Mm -hmm. But obviously we're very keen to emphasise the fact that actually people that live across the UK at the moment will be absolutely having increased issues with their their mental health and for those that have long-standing conditions it would be wholly unacceptable for them to be completely cut off from services over the next few weeks whilst we try and support a physical health response to this. So even though obviously we want to make sure that there are procedures put in place to make sure that staff and patients aren't put at an increased risk in terms of passing around the infection, it's really important that those people that need mental health services continue to get them over the next few days, weeks and probably months The other thing that we recognise is the huge pressure that our members are under to provide these really critical services at this time. And there is obviously an acute phase to that where people now will be feeling extra stress, extra concerns, extra problems. And that's where we would encourage you to talk locally uh, and make sure that support's in place. But also thinking about the longer term response over the next few months and years as people come to terms with the, the work that's had to be done over the last few Uh, days and weeks you know it it, it will be really really critical any other final thoughts before we finish today's video call
1: well just to say um OBMADI leads on CPHVA they had their meeting this week so I'm aware that they are putting guidance for CPHVA members because obviously again there are specific issues and concerns there. Hopefully it's been helpful if it has we can certainly do another one but we'll do our best to keep our members up to date and again we're looking to do faqs on the website so that you know hopefully that covers off some of the many questions that i know there will be but just to say thank you to everybody again keep safe out there